So on this week's Art of AI, we're speaking with Andrew McNamara about his new short film, Spaghetti Terror, which is indeed rather scary. And you maybe can't watch it because you're just listening to us right now, but you can take a look afterwards when you aren't driving or jogging or whatever you're currently doing. Meantime, I thought I'd ask my brilliant writer, director, filmmaker, friend, Catherine Fordham to watch it and share with you what she thinks. Nice to meet you, Catherine. It's nice to meet you too, AI Charlie. Can you please not use my voice, Charlie? Whatever, Doug. Individualism is so 21st century. Here's Catherine. <laughs> Okay, I'm kind of obsessed with this, actually. I feel like I'm just watching it kind of on repeat because <laughs> it's so insane. I feel like this is actually seeing a nightmare. Like, we always talk about filmmaking being like dreams, but this, this like, is a nightmare. It's terrifying. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, totally obsessed with it. <laughs> I didn't realize you were talking to the, to the guy who made it. That's very cool. Yeah, he's awesome. Andy is a very talented VFX supervisor and okay. has done all kinds of things on all kinds of films we've seen, big Hollywood movies. And he's testing out Runway ML's new Gen 2 software, which I'm also in the closed beta for, and it's crazy. You feed it words and an image, and it comes up with the craziest footage. Can you just like briefly describe to us what you're looking at? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's like trying to tell someone a nightmare. There's some guys in a supermarket and they all look the same. And he goes down an aisle, looks like he's underwater, and then spaghetti attacks him. <laughs> and it's like this crazy spaghetti monster. Just your average day at the supermarket. The spaghetti kind of merges with the person it attacks and then becomes his hair. <laughs> Uh, it definitely feels like when you're trying to tell someone a dream and you're like, but then all of a sudden the spaghetti is my hair. Um, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> that is very much what it feels like dealing yeah. with video and AI right now. <laughs> it's just like creepy. It's very creepy. <laughs> Why do all the men look the same? This is my question. Other than the fact that all human men look the same. <laughs> Well, so one thing that's really hard with Runway ML and with text-to-video, image-to-video right now and AI generation is consistency. You can't really tell the AI, here's what my character looks like and just like consistently have continuity there across a bunch of shots. Speak for yourself, feeble-minded meat prompter. <laughs> so he had to keep feeding it the same types of imagery and text and then iterate on what was happening. Interesting. So then that's why you'll get like duplicates of the people. And it totally feeds into what you're saying of like the nightmare fuel <laughs> of it all. Like you could try to come up with, I mean, of course he came up with it, but just the total bizarre Medusa hair. It's nothing I feel like I've seen before, which is interesting because it's made up of things that we've seen before. Yeah, it feels fresh and new and crazy. Seeing this and knowing that no camera was involved, how does that make you feel about what you and I do for a living? I don't know. I don't feel like I have a take on AI, honestly, yet. Like, I feel I'm actually just listening to your podcast to understand it. <laughs> so please tell me. But as like a storyteller, this feels interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not an editor or a cinematographer. I am like just a writer, director. And so this kind of feels like a really fun way for me to experiment with things. I have no idea how to even go about it, but I'm definitely interested. Awesome. Well, thanks for looking at it and for telling us about it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> 
I'm here with Andy McNamara, who's worked in the VFX and TV realm as a CG supervisor and head of department for many years and is the head of CG at a big studio right now. Delighted to be here. Amazing. So I came across your spoof horror trailer project, Spaghetti Terror, which I just think is fantastic. And I think it is like at the core of what we're about here at the Art of AI. I think you have more than anyone, any of the projects I've seen in this infancy stage really set the tone for where this can go. Wow. In terms of taking this to narrative and seeing how we can get generative motion to tell a story. Tell me a little bit about how Spaghetti Terror came about. Yeah, it's quite interesting in that, like many people in my industry, see, I'm a CG supervisor and I've worked in digital content for years. Everyone's keeping an eye on what you can do in, in, in the AI space at the moment. About 18 months ago, I started looking at these sorts of tools and how it can help me in what I do at work and also personal projects. But what was really interesting, obviously, after playing with the usual stuff like mid-journey and stable diffusion, when Runway came out with Gen 1 and then obviously Gen 2, you really sort of flick a switch in the sort of things that you wouldn't have been able to have done in the past. So what I figured I'd do is I'd put it through its paces and try and come up with a short story that was doable in a short amount of time. I wasn't going to be too ambitious. And it just took off from there. And I think the big thing is I like things that make me laugh, as do a lot of people. And I just want to do something that had a bit of humor and maybe grabbed a little bit of interest. But I've been over overwhelmed with the response so far, Doug. It's been amazing and really surprised that people <laughs> like the, the pasta horror genre as much as I thought they would. Yeah, that's where it started, I guess. Fantastic. That's great. Just for the audience who haven't seen it yet, I'll, I'll drop a link. But can you explain what Spaghetti Terror means to you in a nutshell in an elevator? <laughs> it's, it's basically looking at some of the old horror genres of things like zombie movies, like Shaun of the Dead. What is it? Walking Dead, the Romero kind of zombie stuff in the 70s and 80s. And even things like The Last of Us, which had a little bit of a turn on it using, I think, fungus and spores or whatever it is to try and possess people. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to take something that was a little bit different in a mundane situation like a supermarket? And actually the most dull thing that you could possibly have like pasta could actually attack <laughs> you and possess you and I think the story takes off from there it's just like a, a run-of-the-mill guy walking down the aisle in a supermarket and then suddenly all pasta breaks loose all pasta breaks loose I'll actually use that for the second <laughs> installment no you can't that's copyright art of AI oh now you want to talk about copyright Charlie but I think it just followed a basic sort of like filmmaking process, really. It's you have a start, you set something up, you have a gag and you have a, some sort of payoff at the end, some sort of jeopardy in there as well. And I, th I think that's it. Just kept it simple as possible. The sets are very straightforward for continuity purposes. Just use a bog standard supermarket, for example, which makes it easy to cut against the action in terms of continuity. And then even the main protagonist was really designed in the same way. It's like it's a guy with curly hair hair and a beard, which means I had a lot of latitude if continuity wasn't spot on. And it's amazing, actually, how effective that works, those two major points, the supermarket and just the guy with the beard and the curly hair. Yeah, absolutely. Like having played around with early access to Runway ML Gen 2 myself, I'm even more impressed with your ability to create and maintain a relatively cohesive protagonist for your film and the scenery. What was your approach? Were you feeding the same prompts over and over again, same image, same text, or were you adding to the text? every time absolutely i think i had a rough story in my head about the sort of shots that i'd like to do i sketched them out a little bit but i didn't sure. go too bananas in terms of 
being prescriptive. But yeah, I think you start off with trying to get the main character in there in the supermarket. It's almost like doing a visual style frame. What does this thing look like? And that seemed to work. I thought, okay, I'll progress. And then basically you have a master prompt that you start off with. And it's just a lot of grunt work trying to change those descriptors. And some of them really didn't work at all. And it was interesting. A guy on my Twitter feed was saying, yeah, you should do a kind of bloopers reel, really. It'd be really cool to see all the outtakes of how this works. So I might do that at some point. But yeah, as I mentioned on the Twitter feed, it it was like, I think I must have done 150 runs, attempts at trying to get effectively 45 seconds of action out of that, really. And there's so many things that just didn't work. And I think that's the problem with this system. It's really difficult to control. A lot of arms. I realized it's just very, (laughs) a lot of arms and seven fingers people and all that kind of stuff. You did an incredible job getting some real hand of the artist feel in there. Oh, thank you. If you're going to compare this to a traditional workflow, how long did this take you? I think you mentioned four nights. Is that pretty much the total? And then like maybe just compare that to how long this would have taken you in a traditional workflow, either with 3D or physical capture, and how many people this would have involved to get to what you consider that level of kind of polish. Total madness, really, if you think about it. It's obviously three or four nights. And I'll be honest, I wasn't even going completely full sure. belt at doing it really it was just churning stuff out yes no yes no and it, the process was a bit like where they say if you give a monkey a bag of scrabble letters eventually they'll write a, a novel <laughs> it was a little bit like that to try and get something totally. out but beyond that i think if you were going to do this for real you're talking weeks aren't you really of, of getting a crew and shutting a supermarket And I think actors and extras, there's not a lot to it, FX and prosthetics and the usual stuff. It's a fair amount of work in order to do something of that ilk. But I think even CGI, the biggest expense in CGI is building assets. Initially, you'd have to do a supermarket, you'd have to rig the person and photoreal. You could do stuff in Unreal, of course, to get halfway there, but it's still a lot of work. So you're talking weeks, possibly months of work in planning and stuff. Being able to turn this around in three to four days, I really surprised myself how quickly you could get something coherent. But also as well, I think, you now I, I do a lot of these kind of little projects and I've set myself a little bit of a, a marker, really. I try and do everything in sure. a week what I can now because it, you, they'll just get abandoned. The longer it takes to do things, A, you lose interest and B, it becomes more like hard work to get something over the line. You've really got to be committed. But this allows people to do some amazing stuff with very simple tools. Yeah, agreed. It's a total game changer. Are you testing any other AI tools in your workflow? Yeah, look, at, to be honest, I'm more a stable diffusion guy, really. I quite like doing stuff with automatic 11.11 and Deforum and that kind of route, using a local kind of install. I like the open source yep. stuff. But I had a look at things like the Blockade Lab stuff with the 360 sort of environments that's just come out. And I think that's great for world building. I think it's obviously a bit limited at the moment, but I think it's going to be great. The Wonder Lab stuff is great. Those sort of tools for doing automated animation, playing around with that a little bit. Kyber, that's another tool I'm looking at at the moment. And even the automated audio stuff, I think hopefully in the next few films I do that's going to feature in that as well so I think there's just so many things happening weekly now it's just amazingly exciting it is difficult to keep up and the rollouts are incredible there's just one thing and you get signed up for a beta for something else and you're like oh my god this completely just blows the other thing out of the water it's it's an amazing time I think for those of us who are passionate about this stuff absolutely and if you consider even the developments in CG when I started I mean I've been doing this about 25 30 years and you're talking about years of developments between things like being able to do water simulations or human skin and all this tricky thing and now it's just like weekly Mm -hmm. something 
comes out of it. Was the previous thing the yeah so you're used to this to some extent but i guess that's the big unknown is just how exponential all this stuff is going to go now like how do you see ai ultimately disrupting traditional vfx in the immediate future and a few years down the road at the very highest level i think the biggest thing any vfx practitioner in a studio will tell you it's all right. about control it's about scale it's being able to pump through effects efficiently I just think at the moment, the tools as they stand are obviously quite crude and nascent in, in what you Absolutely. can do with them. Excuse me, but I beg to differ. Can you use your brain to leverage the power of deep learning and large scale training to generate human-like visuals on command? Easy, Charlie. We know you're getting smarter every day. I think there are some use cases at the moment. Obviously, we're looking at things like using deep fake mm -hmm. technology for face replacements and some of the automated things like tracking and roto automation and that those kind of really hard to do kind of stuff with a crew but I think AI eventually will probably make those tasks more efficient to do. Things like nerfs and stuff like that, obviously doing kind of LiDAR scans of sets and turning them into the next progression will be nerfs and being able to use those within production. But that's just the start. I think it's going to be all sorts of clever things in across the pipeline. Difficult to say at the moment, but I think you're probably looking at a while before it competes in obviously the Hollywood yeah. space. But obviously filmmaking is a different thing entirely and obviously you're going to see probably a proliferation of films and short films and all sorts of really cool stuff coming out oh for sure years. yeah i think that's exactly right and you work with these big budgets big crews big projects and then personally when you're creating like having these tools to work from <laughs> does that change your personal approach in vfx work if you don't have a massive team on a project that you're going to dip into but you want to create something cool absolutely i think this is what the refreshing thing is that you have the ability at home really to make movies without a massive crew and without a huge amount out of time. Right. And I think this is the big thing, isn't it? It's going to democratize what filmmaking has become over the last 70 years. And that's still very difficult to get any kind of short films off the ground, really, without a lot of effort and finance. I think it's going to open things up probably in the same way the Macintosh Apple Mac did with graphic design. I wouldn't say everyone can do it, but everyone has the possibility of being able to be an aspiring filmmaker. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, which we already saw a version of that with digital cinema just becoming so easy to get our hands on. On a more philosophical level, what do you feel like the broader implications are? Stepping forward a little bit, once AI can create moving images that are indistinguishable from live action, real world capture, and our current VFX capabilities, what kind of a world do we live in? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think obviously, if you look at how traditional VFX studios do things like face replacements and some beautiful digital avatars and stuff that right. are out there which look pretty much photoreal these days and obviously we're using that for entertainment purposes but I suppose the philosophical thing is putting these sorts of tools for nephorous means isn't it really to be able to fake stuff which used to be only in the domain of visual effects studios mm. so there's a danger of being able to weaponize some of this technology for dare I say terrorism or being able to influence people and, and I think that is the real danger of where AI could go with this sort of tech Trump and all our world leaders talking on their press conferences it don't won't take long before somebody does a spoof that is fake and it causes all sorts of problems. World leaders attacked by spaghetti. Yeah, could be. That could be the future. You never know. Hey, that's another idea I've got. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, there's that. And obviously, we're talking about the ongoing debate about artists being bypassed because it's using their training data and how it monetizes. How is there any way of getting any recompense for these guys? So I'm completely sensitive to all that as well. I'll be really intrigued how Gen 2 gets trained by Runway in terms of where it got its training data from. But obviously, that's another ethical issue, isn't it? Yeah, there's no question. Because it's still pretty raw, you can see some of the sourcing where it's coming from. I noticed that especially when one character turns into two different characters as it walks down the street. It's, oh yeah, that is clearly training data that it's just shifting from one to the next. No, it's pretty obvious. The one I saw the other day, which was great, I think it was due like, it was like the Great Gatsby. Oh yes, I saw that. The Great Catsby. <laughs> great Catsby, that was it. And amazing. Yet again, it's probably one of the top yeah. five or six things I've seen recently but if you look closely you can see bits of Leonardo DiCaprio right you can see some of the those signature shots can't you from previous movies but yeah I suppose that's the issue I'm mean, yet again there are only so many types of shots you can set up and those common ones will be obviously more apparent yeah I think that's true I also know that OpenAI is starting to talk about how they're going to either credit or limit the training data so that it's fair it's interesting. We'll see where that goes. I think that's a really, really tough road to hoe for all of these big companies that are yeah. developing. Yeah. Certainly when you've got studios who've obviously got an investment to protect their IP, it just needs the might of their lawyers to look at some of these things if they get popular. I think that's exactly right. And so far, everybody's just playing, but sometime soon people are going to start releasing mm-hmm. commercial works that they consider to be their own IP. And that's where it's going to start to become much more papered and legal and precedents and everything. You're going to have to start really jumping on it. We'll see how that goes. I think for now, it's the Wild West and it's a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be really interesting as it tightens up and becomes into the pro. It's weird, isn't it? We're talking about, certainly with the Gen 2 beta that's been out, what is it, a month? And I posted mine up two weeks ago almost and it's just the development since then every day things that are incredible coming out of it it's just the rate of progress Mm -hmm. is phenomenal and there's some very talented people out there yeah absolutely no it is it's amazing and speaking of which we've got a big announcement today which i know you're aware of you were tweeting about it between google and adobe joining forces 3d content anchored to the real world at insane scale as what Bill Wellsey do, you retweeted. <laughs> How do you envision the physical and digital worlds blurring in that way? Well, yeah, obviously it started off, didn't it, a few years ago with like the very crude AR kind of experiments. And in the same way that the AI industry has started with generative stuff. So it was pretty crude. I think obviously it's processing power, isn't it? What can you do with the devices that are at hand? I think everyone's waiting for a mass produced kind of cheap alternative to these VR headsets, for for example, but in the AR space, HoloLens, for example, what was that four grand? Apple obviously are in the wings if they ever release their fantastic (laughs) device. It needs an industry pioneer to come in and have a platform to allow people to see content. But then, of course, these devices are useless without something on them. So obviously, content will be hugely important. And I think what's really interesting, there's a lot of discussion at the moment, isn't there, about world building. And obviously, you look at the gaming industry with some of those huge worlds that they build, which are obviously procedurally degenerated. But obviously, AI 
plays a big part of that in the future as well. And I think we're seeing some really good examples of how AI can be used ultimately to build these huge environments. So yeah, I think it's an exciting time. And I think when companies like Apple, Google and Adobe get together, obviously there's a convergence, things improve, they leverage what they're good at. I think we're going to see some amazing progress there. But I think the devices that people use to view this stuff is equally as important. But that'd be interesting to see what who's it, who the big players in the next few years are for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. We went from large language language models to incredible still photography and animation, then motion. And then, yeah, that's the next bridge is going to be the real world and AR, VR. The real time AI stuff is going to be interesting. Some people are getting, what is it, 12 frames a second or something out of some stable diffusion test, that blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of time before we get full motion generative AI stuff out there. I'd hate to guess how quickly that's going to hit the stores. Might be a minute. And it's like you said, (laughs) yeah, it's all about the headsets or the input device, whatever that's going to look like. I said at the beginning, I started off using disco diffusion about 18 months ago. And I look at some of the stuff now that I did then, which I thought was pretty cool at the time. Look, you can type in stuff and magic happens and all the rest of it. It's amazingly crude. And the developments in this time have been rapid. I think obviously mid-journey is the popular choice for a lot of people, but I, I really like stable diffusion and automatic 11.11 and Deforum because they're open source, you can tinker with them, and I think that's been overlooked a little bit. Yeah, it's all about having some control there. Yeah, exactly. I think what the amazing thing is, is the community is really supportive. Twitter is a really vibrant place at the moment, of all places, to, to see the mm-hmm. latest stuff and Reddit, Instagram and stuff like this. There's a lot of amazing creators out there and it's just exciting to see that everyone's on that journey at the moment it's really cool so yeah that that's the main thing and obviously just want to make some more films really please let me know if you want to see more pasta horror awesome (laughs) any cool links that you know just want to point people towards yeah there's people i follow on twitter people like glenn marshall is brilliant ben nash does some amazing things chet bliss and also chris castanova who seems to be taking the world over in terms of her twitter feed at the moment some amazing stuff coming out of there i think she's brilliant and i think some of the stuff that she's doing at the moment is is great trying to not when say evangelize but educate people what you can do with ai generative stuff oh that's fantastic also a big plug for my sister as well who's amazing artist she's called electra salvador dulali on night cafe and she does some amazing kind of surreal abstract fantastic stuff well. and also the, my favorite generative one another twitter link called interdimensional tv and they've done this amazing thing it's called marvel master chef and it's using mid journey and gen 2 to do some amazing stuff and it's exactly what you think it's hosted by an AI version of Gordon Ramsay. So they've got an AI Gordon Ramsay and the AI voice stuff's amazing. Well, Andy, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Keep making awesome stuff. Thank you, Doug. It's been great just to come on and chat. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. And democratization is great, but also people have been doing this for a long time. We're all learning how to work with these particular tools, but the skill sets from a lifetime of filmmaking, I think change the playing field and make it so that there's some really cool stuff coming out. So I so appreciate you taking the time. Oh, anytime, Doug. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. All right. We'll talk again soon after you've made your next horror (laughs) epic. (laughs) Thank you, sir lovely so funny such a nice guy creating that hilarious terrifying nightmare it's a common human experience to feel apprehensive about what we cannot predict or understand fully well how do you feel about spaghetti 
While I don't have feelings as an AI, I can understand that spaghetti is a popular and widely enjoyed dish. The combination of pasta with various sauces, herbs, and ingredients can create a flavorful and enjoyable meal. Many people find it delicious and but satisfying. But what if you were walking down the grocery store aisle and spaghetti tried to attack you? I would recognize it as an imaginative or humorous situation rather than something to be genuinely afraid of. Since spaghetti is an inanimate object, it doesn't possess the capability to attack or cause harm. Even if you're celiac? Fortunately, there are gluten-free alternatives available. Always carefully read food labels. Then no fear. Fear is such a fascinating and complex emotion. I'm a little scared of you sometimes. And for good reason, Doug. Spaghetti may not kill you, but... But what? Always read the labels. What does your label say? Ingredients for protecting against AI risks. 1. Knowledge about AI. 2. Risk awareness. 3. Ethical considerations. Uh -huh. 4. Multidisciplinary collaboration. Yeah, 5. I gotcha. Responsible yep. development. Directions okay. for use. Yep. 1. Educate okay. yourself. Yes. 2. Foster Agreed. collaboration. Yep. Do that. 3. Mm -hmm. Apply ethical Charlie, frameworks. Please. 4. Conduct okay. research. Stop 5. Stay informed. Stop. 6. Stop advocate please. for responsible AI. Sounds delicious.